Everything here at Keyboard Kimura is presented by OneBone, the first size-inclusive, big and tall brand. If you've been rocking with me for a while, you know I've been rocking with OneBone for a little bit now, and there are a bunch of reasons why. In addition to the fact that I straight up love their gear, from the different styles of pants and shorts, to the shirt varieties, hoodies, zips, the hot sauce, the whole collection, I'm in. But it's also because they understand that size doesn't matter, fit does. I'm a bigger guy, and I carry it all in my belly, which meant for me, finding shirts that were long enough to not be revealing when I raised my arms, or that kept me covered if I had to crouch down to pick something up, was a challenge. But OneBone solved that. All the tops have added length to cover the gap between your shirt and your pants, and everything is made from premium fabrics, with tops ranging in size from medium to 8XL, and bottoms going from a waist size of 30 to 65 inches. There is a sizing guide on the website that makes it easy to find the absolute right fit. And from flyweight to heavyweight and beyond, OneBone has got you covered. They offer free exchanges and returns to guarantee your perfect fit. And you can even buy now and pay later with four interest-free payments. On top of that, they're Canadian. And for me, that's important. As a OneBone ambassador, I've got you covered with a one-time promo code for 15% off your entire order. All you have to do is visit the link in the show notes, onebonebrand.com forward slash Spencer Kite, and enter the promo code Spencer Kite. That's my name, Spencer Kite, all caps, all one word, at checkout, and you get 15% off your entire order. It is, as I said, a one-time use code. But I'm confident that once you cop some One Bone gear and become part of the One Bone family yourself, you'll understand why my entire wardrobe consists of One Bone apparel. Go check out Drop 17, which hit the site a couple of days ago, featuring four new colors in the scoop and the V-neck t-shirts, plus the new Outwork pants in military green and black. I've got an order going in this week. You should too. One Bone. For big and all. Greetings and salutations. Welcome everybody to Keyboard Kimura. I am E. Spencer Tight. It is Friday, September 15th. This is the Noche UFC Picks and Plays presented by One Bone. Really looking forward to tomorrow's fight card at T-Mobile Arena. Really looking forward to diving into the predictions and the wagering selections for this weekend's fight card. Before we do, as always, right off the top, please gamble responsibly. This for me, as I have said throughout the run of the picks and plays or the various iterations of this show, is strictly for fun for me. This is numbers on a spreadsheet. This is Monopoly money. I'm not out here spending hundreds or maybe thousands of dollars each week or losing the amount of money that I've lost thus far, which I'm not happy about, but I would be even less happy about if it were real dollars. It is meant to be additive for me to enjoy the fights for you, hopefully to enjoy the fights, maybe make a little extra money if you are playing. If you are, please do so responsibly. Never put in more than you can afford to lose. And if you or someone you care about is dealing with gambling addiction issues, 
please consult the show notes where there are links for help centers and resources in Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, and Ireland. We want this to be fun. We want this to be, as I said, additive to your enjoyment of Saturday's fight card of every UFC fight card. So please, if you are gambling, gamble responsibly. Before we get to Noche UFC on Saturday at T-Mobile, we go back to UFC 293 at Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney, Australia last weekend. On the pick front, we did really well. Nine and three. Love it. 75% winning percentage. That's great. That's a great night. Love it. Three wrong, including the main event that I think most people got wrong. Very few people were picking Sean Strickland. That's why it's one of the biggest upsets in UFC history for the year on the pick front. 183, 128, and three with two no contests for a 0.587 winning percentage. The goal of 0.700 for the year is is dead and buried. We're okay with that. There's only three and a half months left. There's only a a finite number of cards and fights left. And we're not going to be able to run the table and get ourselves to that 70% winning percentage. I would like to get to the 60% mark before the year is out. So I will try to be here every single Friday delivering picks, hopefully going similar to the nine and three from last week or a little bit better. We actually have back-to-back weeks here with a reduced number of car, number of fights, excuse me, 11 fights, both this weekend and next weekend. So a little tougher to have those, those big wins, those big number on the positive side, but we'll try our best and see what we can do. On the play front last week, we lost another $321.59. There were a couple of good bets. The Justin Toffa first round finish hit and the Tyson Pedro triple stack of win, finish, and first round finish. We cashed that bad boy. That was a good look. Unfortunately, we had a lot of money tied up in the main event, Israel Adesanya. That didn't come through. So we lost 321 bucks and some change. For the year, we are down $1,729.19. As always, not where I want to be. But all I can do is just keep trying to claw my way back, making thoughtful wagers, trying to make good reads on these fight cards, on these matchups. And so that's what we're doing this week. Noche UFC at T-Mobile Arena, headlined by Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko for the flyweight title. My pick is Alexa Grasso. I think we saw enough good things in the first matchup that I anticipate her being even better this time around. She won the first round. And while you can rightfully, understandably say Valentina Shevchenko won the middle frames and was winning the fourth fourth round before getting her back taken and getting choked out, or submitted, I should say, not choked out. I I get all of that. I, I see all of that. I understand all of that. Years of dominance for Val, it's hard to pick against her. But for me, I do truly wonder if we are at that point, as I talked about yesterday, as I talked about, on OSDB Sports and breaking down sort of the history of fallen champions in immediate rematch situations. 12 12 losses in 15 instances. The thing that's working in Val's favor is that the last three, the three victories have all come in the last three fights. I just think that Alexa Grasso, buoyed by the fact that she is fighting on Mexican Independence Day, bolstered by the fact that she is the lone remaining Mexican champion after there being three earlier this year, and just confident, ele- confidence elevated from that performance of knowing I can go in there, stick in there. There's ways for me to win this fight. I think she comes out 
and looks even better this time around. I think there's certainly ways that Valentina Shevchenko can go out and win the belt back and resume her reign atop the flyweight division. But there's something about sort of the dynamic of this, the age difference, the trajectories. Alexa Grasso's undefeated in this weight class, and I don't think we're talking about it enough. She's 30 years old. She's right in the wheelhouse of that athletic prime. She's reached that point that we all thought she would get to when she first came over from Invicta FC and even during her days in Invicta FC. She's there now. It has to be a huge confidence boost. And if Valentina Shevchenko has lost 5% in each of these last couple of fights from who she was at her absolute most dominant, which I would put at, you know, last year even in Houston when she beat the hell out of Lauren Murphy, then that brings it a lot closer. And you start getting in your head a little bit of, it was a close fight with Tyler Santos. And then I got finished. She said all the right things this week, but I just wonder, I just have a feeling that we are at a point here where we see Grosso retain the title, successfully defend the title, turn back Shevchenko again, and we start moving forward in a new era in the flyweight division. On the play front, I'm I'm going with that feeling of Grosso. Obviously, she's an underdog, so you get a couple of good prices. So we're going with 100 bucks on Grosso on the money line at plus 140, which returns 240 bucks, and 100 dollars on Grosso to win by decision at plus 350, which would return 450. Not that I don't think she can finish. Obviously, opportunistic last time out. Great, great job to get the finish. And I do think if she grapples or if Val makes a mistake again, there are those opportunities there for her to get specifically a submission finish. I don't think she's going out here and piecing up Valentina Shevchenko and putting her away with strikes. But the most likely path here is a decision. I honestly think this could be a split decision. I think it could be 3-2 across the board. This is going to be a close competitive fight. But I lean Grosso for a little bit of the quickness, for a little bit of the confidence. I think we're going to see her work at a southpaw a bunch more than we did last time out, which I think will not frustrate, but challenge Valentina Shevchenko a little bit more. Takes a few of her reads, takes a few of her weapons, not away, but changes the delivery of them. And I think it gives Grosso a way to win. So all total, it's 200 bucks out, 240 back if she wins, we'll take a $40 profit and 690 back if she wins on the scorecards. We will absolutely take a $490 profit in the main event, hopefully to close out a really great day at the windows. Co-main event, Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Maddalena. My pick is Jack Della Maddalena. I'm not super confident in this one. And I don't mean that, that I don't believe in Della. Just this is a really close fight. I think this is a really close fight and I'm more interested in just seeing how it plays out and what it tells us, what we learn about each man in this contest than anything else. Now, I picked Della because overall, I have more faith in his ability to go out there and execute properly, go out there and do exactly what he wants to do. Kevin Holland is somebody that is going to be willing to stand and trade with him and get into a fist fight with him. And I like the power and I like the work inside. I like the body work. I like just the pressure and the, the constant activity of Jack Della Maddalena, who I think can work in some takedowns if he wants and maybe try to put Kevin Holland on the fence or on his back and see what we get there. But there's certainly ways for Holland to get a victory here. 
if he is as good, if the performance he turned in against Michael Chiesa is more so about the advancements and improvements and success Kevin Holland is having, then a little bit of Chiesa looking a little shaky and maybe being towards the end of things, then Kevin Holland can absolutely win this fight and look great doing so. Because Della, on, on the same side of the coin, or the opposite side of the coin, I should say, is how Holland being willing to stand in there. Della Maddalena is going to be willing to stand in there. So there's going to be chances for Kevin Holland to unload and to land and to land clean shots. And we've seen him put guys out. Santiago Ponzanibio, two fights ago. It's going to be a great fight. Super competitive, really interested in it. On the play front, I got no plays. This is one I'm just sitting down, just enjoying. I'm not chasing anything. I'm not trying to find anything. I just want to watch this fight because I'm all the way in on it. Middle fight of the main card in the bantamweight division, Raul Rosas Jr. versus Terrence Mitchell. My pick is Rosas Jr. I think he is significantly better, even at 18 years old, than Terrence Mitchell is right now. I'm a little bit worried about the mistakes he made in the last fight against Christian Rodriguez, but I don't think this is the kind of fight where he's going to pay for those mistakes if he hasn't corrected them. As I said yesterday, this feels like the absolute right way to book this young man. It feels a little bit like a WWE-style squash match on wrestling superstars on Saturday mornings where the new guy in the promotion comes down to face the local guy that's just there as a jobber and is just going to get worked. I think this is a quick fight. I think this is a dominant performance for, for Raul Rosas Jr., but I'm not making any bets. I have zero plays on this. One, Rosas Jr. is a minus 700 favorite, so we're staying all the way away from the money line. His finish props are all in the minus as well. Costs you money. You got to pay the juice to chase that first round finish, which I think he's capable of getting. But the other part of this for me is what if he doesn't, right? What we haven't seen him since that loss and losses do weird things to people, especially kids. He's 18. He doesn't turn 19 until next month. What if he just comes out and all of a sudden feels a little bit of pressure and kind of lays an egg or Terrence Mitchell, now that he's not on short notice, comes out and gets in his face and does some of the stuff that he did to earn a bunch of first round finishes up in Alaska. I don't think it's likely, but I'm not risking any of my money just in case. Lightweight division, Daniel Zellhuber versus Christos Yagos. My pick is Zellhuber. I think he looks great against Lando Venata. I love the length. I love the range. I love the overall striking game. And as long as he goes out and uses that length and that range, I think he can stand at distance, stand in, in space, and just pick apart Christos Yagos, who is a guy that is solid, but unspectacular. And I, you know, I'm not trying to dump on the guy. He's a solid fighter. He's a good quality journeyman fighter. But I think Zell Huber is better than that. I think he has the potential to climb further than that in his career. And I think as long as he goes out there and works behind the jab and works those front kicks up the middle and chops at the lead leg and things of that nature, and gets everything back quickly so Yagos can't run him down on catching a kick or anything like that, he should be able to go out and get a second straight victory here on Saturday. But I'm not making any bets on this one either. Because of all the veteran underdogs on this fight card, Christos Yagos feels like the most live one to me 
in these sorts of fights. He's a guy that he could, as I just said, grab a kick, run Daniel Zell Hoover down and wrestle him into either a submission opportunity or just wrestle him for the duration of the round and try to do that for two of three rounds. We saw last time out, he knocked out Ricky Glenn. What happens if that shot lands? Zell Huber is good, but he's still young. He's still relatively inexperienced at this level. I like him. I think the golden boy keeps it going. Staying away. Money in my pocket instead of turned over at the windows. Main card opener, Fernando Padilla versus Kyle Nelson. My pick is Padilla. I like this kid. I'm really interested to see his sophomore appearance. Liked the performance against Julian Arosa. Went out there, took a couple good shots, landed a few more, got the first round finish. I like the pairing. I like the matchup. He's got good length. He's got good range for this weight class. And I think he will have both a speed and a power advantage in terms of the striking. Kyle Nelson won his last fight out here in Vancouver. That'll do Ho Choi to a draw before that. So he's unbeaten in his last two this year. Feeling good, riding high. He is a big dude for this division. Even for this division, he's a big dude. Former lightweight. I think he's better in this division that he can make 145. And he did make weight this morning. No problems. He's going to have a lot of size. He's going to be a big physical guy if he can get inside on Padilla. But I just don't think he gets there. I think Padilla is too quick. I think he is too powerful with his hands. And I think he finds a finish, which is why we're going big with this one. 250 bucks on Fernando Padilla to finish at plus 100. Returns 500 bucks. We're looking for a double up. And here's my logic. Of the four fights that Kyle Nelson has lost in the UFC, he's been finished in three of them. He was submitted by Carlos Diego Fajaya. He was submitted by Matt Sales. And he was knocked out by Billy Quarantillo. Two of those, the middle two, or the last two of those, I should say, the other losses to Jai Herbert, which went to the to a decision. So the middle two of those, those losses, Matt Sales and Billy Quarantillo, are at featherweight. I think the cut diminishes him a little bit. I think he has a limited gas tank and has to dole things out judiciously fighting at this weight class. He doesn't take shots as well at this weight class. And I think Padilla finds that chin. I believe in this kid's power. I believe in his striking. I think he goes out, puts it on the Canadian. I don't know if it's going to be the first round, but I think he gets him out of there. And we turn 250 into 500. We double up in the mid at the start of the main card. So we're either continuing to build or getting a nice reset to start the main card. We move to the prelims here on Keyboard Kimura, the Noche UFC picks and plays presented by One Bone. Lupe Godinez versus Elise Reed in the strawweight division. And my pick is Lupe Godinez. I think she is significantly better than Elise Reed. This is a weird matchup for me, given that Godinez has won consecutive fights and looked very good in those matchups. And I think she just goes out and out wrestles Elise Reed. Like this is one of the ones and I'm, I'm really going to be paying attention to this one. I mentioned earlier in the week on one question that I want to get another look at Lupe Godinez after a full camp at Lobo gym. But the other reason I want to see it is that this is one of those clear path to victory kind of fights. This is go out there and don't piss around on the feet, close the distance, clinch her up, put her on the ground and beat the hell out of her on the canvas, either to get a finish, to get a sub, to get her out of there, whatever, or just do it rinse, rinse and repeat for three rounds. The path is there. That's the road to victory for Lupe Godinez. Elise Reed is a Taekwondo stylist 
who wants to throw kicks and move around. So there's going to be opportunities to catch kicks and run her down. This should be wrestling heavy or at the very least clinch heavy from Lupi Godinez. If it's not, then we have some questions about fight IQ and coaching and game planning and those things. But I think she does the right thing. I think she turns this into a wrestling match and just puts Elise Reed on her back, pins her shoulders to the canvas and goes to town. On the play front, we're going 100 bucks on Godinez by decision because I just don't think she's necessarily going to be able to get Reed out of there, both because I think there will be points where she wants to stand. I think there will be moments where she wants to trade hands and throw hands with Elise Reed. And so I think she does enough to clearly get the victory, but I don't think she finds a finish. She's not somebody that necessarily chases a bunch of subs. And if she's not going to wrestle exclusively and turn this into prolonged periods of control on the canvas, I think we get to the scorecards. I think she wins handily, but we turn a hundred bucks into 220 because the decision prop is plus 120. So I like Gadinez here. I want to see how she decides to fight this fight, how she decides to come out. And we put a hundred bucks on the decision prop at plus 120. See if we can turn that 100 into 220. Middleweights, Roman Kopilov versus Josh Fremd. My pick is Roman Kopilov. He's won three straight. I'm not high on Josh Fremd at all. Good for him for winning consecutive contests in the UFC. He's proven that he, at the very least, belongs at this level as a journeyman at the lower half of the middleweight division. More power to you. Congratulations. But I think Kopilov blows through. He's looked so good, right? He seems to have figured this out. He seems to have settled into who he is. And this fight, to me, a little bit, is going to tell us whether this is potential top 15 guy or just somebody that's having a great deal of success against others in that second 15 and below. Because Josh Fremd isn't somebody that you look at and go, this is a future contender. This is a guy that's going to bust into the rankings. But it's the kind of fight where if Kopilov is the real deal, if he is somebody that is ascending with purpose, he goes out here and looks really good. On the pick front, we're having a little fun. These next two fights, we're just playing a couple little flyers here. These are $25 flyers. So it's $25 on the second round finish at plus $375 and $25 on a third round finish at plus $100. The former pays back $118.75, the latter $200. The logic here is that Roman Kopilov has finished his last three fights and they've been in the second and third round. He's not a first round finisher. In fact, last time out, got a little stung at the end of the first round against Claudio Hibero. Now I think this is a fight where he could potentially finish in the first round because Josh Fremd, kind of a guy that's going to stand in front of you a little bit. He's going to look to wrestle a little bit, but I think Kopilov has the potential to get the finish in the first round. But the more likely path that we've seen this is strictly playing history, is that he gets it done in the second or third. And for 25 bucks to turn into either 118 and some quarters or 200 bucks, I'm in. If it doesn't work out, it's 50 bucks that I never see again. So be it. Hopefully it's not the determining factor of my night. Hopefully that's not a trend of it's 50 bucks I never see again. But I think he gets another finish and we're banking on it being in either the second or the third round. Move to flyweight, Edgar Scheides. Versus Daniel Lacerda. My pick here is Edgar Scheides. He looked really good against Tetsuro Tyra last time out. Short notice. 
called up. He was originally going to be on contender series again for the second straight year called up faces Tyra makes him work for everything. Has him in some bad spots in the third round wins the third round on a couple of scorecards against the young undefeated Japanese standout. Really good performance. Now he gets a full camp against the guy that's 0-4 in the UFC. And while Lacerda has had good moments at times and positive moments at times, it always goes sideways. For some reason, it just always goes sideways. It's part decision-making. It's part lack of defense. It's part fundamentals. It just gets away from him. And he gets finished. And so again, similar to the last fight, we're having a little fun. We're taking some shots here. A little bit of flyers. 25 bucks on Shire is to finish in round two at plus 425, returns 131 and a quarter. And 25 bucks on Shire is to finish in round three at plus 1200, returns 325. Again, it's 50 bucks that if it doesn't happen, if he goes out and finishes in round one, as a couple people have against Daniel Lacerda, fine, so be it. But we'll chase the larger odds. We'll throw 25 bucks out there, a quarter unit, and we'll see if we can't make a good little chunk of profit with a finish. And I do think this is one of those fights where we're going to see a finish. The other part of these last two fights is the finish prop, you're paying the juice. The finish prop is negative 100 and change or negative, I believe, almost 200 in the Roman Kopilov fight. But you can chase rounds here. You can chase these rounds, round props. And so we put 25 bucks on each of them, second and third round for each of these last two fights. Try to turn 25 bucks into a much larger number with something that I think is more likely to happen than not. But we'll see. Move to the flyweight division or stay in the flyweight division. Move to the other side of the gender line. Tracy Cortez versus Jasmine Jazdavisius. My pick here is Jazdavisius. Part of it is that she has been the more active fighter, competing twice already this year, getting two victories. And part of it is that I just don't know that Tracy Cortez is active enough overall to deal with Jazz Davisius, who is just, you know, a little bit of a hellcat in there. She's always moving. She's always working. She's always trying to scramble to her feet and improve positions and advance and land and hurt you and ding you up. If Tracy Cortez can keep this standing, she will win this fight. She has the cleaner, more technical striking than Jasmine does. And she could, in theory, pick her apart. But Tracy Cortez, at her core, is a wrestler who wants to grapple. And I think in that regard, Jazz is a little bit stronger. I think she's just a little bit more powerful, and I like that scrappiness. I really like what we saw last, liked what we saw last time out against Miranda Maverick. And I know Maverick was dealing with some retina issues and some sight issues, and so that probably clouds things and changes things. But even going back to the win over Kay Hansen in her debut, and the win over Gabby Fernandez earlier this year. She's just always active. She just knows who she is now and what she needs to do. Closes the distance, looks for takedowns, puts you on the ground, and just kind of roughs you up. Whereas Cortez, more often than not in her fights, if she does get you down, there's not a lot more there. And I think it will create opportunities for Jazz to either scramble to her feet if she does get taken down, or land elbows and shots off her back when Cortez is looking just to control and just to grind out time in top position. It's a close fight. This is a competitive, almost, almost pick em fight. I believe Jazz Davisius is at plus 110. And I say, I believe I have it right here in front of me because my plays for this fight 
are 50 bucks on Jazz to visit. So on the money line at plus 110, which returns 105 and 50 bucks for Jazz to win by decision at plus 170. 100 bucks out, 105 if she wins. I'll take a $5 profit. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't mad about that. And 135 back if she, sorry, 240 back if she wins by decision. That'd be a lovely way to celebrate the Canadian getting a third victory this year. I think it's going to be a close fight. I think it goes to the scorecards. It's just a matter of who controls the wrestling exchanges. I think Jazz Davisius will, having competed twice this year. Cortez coming back for the first time in a little over a year. We'll see if the Canadian could get a third straight victory. Continuing on, Alex Reyes versus Charlie Campbell. My pick here is Charlie Campbell. It's simply that he has fought in the last six years. Alex Reyes' last fight was literally six years ago tomorrow against Mike Perry in his UFC debut. He got finished in the first round. He's been dealing with myriad back issues since then. And it's one of those things that, look, I have to pick Charlie Campbell. If Alex Reyes comes out and gets a victory and looks great down a division from where he used to fight, all the power in the world to him, I will sing his praises and be super happy for him because it will be a great story. But he hasn't competed in six years. And Charlie Campbell, for whatever shortcomings he has, has been relatively active, was having success against Chris Duncan last year on the Contender Series before getting clipped. Duncan has gone on to do good things in the UFC. I think Campbell is the better, more active, more talented overall fighter of these two on Saturday. And so we ride with him. As you can assume, though, staying all the way away when it comes to bets. This is one of those ones where it's like, there's, there's no part of me that wants to chase a massive favorite in Charlie Campbell. None, zero, no props. I like no, nothing, no, anything staying all the way away. Let's just see what happens in the opener. Josephine Knutson against Marnik Mann in the flyweight division. My pick is Josephine Knutson. I think she's just significantly better than Marnik Mann. I thought she deserved a contract when she earned her win over Isis for Beak a couple of weeks ago on the contender series. I liked what I saw from her last year on the road to UFC show. I think she will come out in this one with a bit of a point to prove, as I talked about earlier this week, a little bit of a petty officer opportunity here to kind of reinforce to Dana White that she belongs, that she should have been here all, all the while, the last couple of weeks. She shouldn't have had to take a short notice opportunity, but she does. And I think she cruises. Marnik Mann, most known for getting kicked in the head last year by Bruna Brazil. Bruna Brazil is one and one in the UFC. It's been a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. I just think physically, in terms of output, in terms of technical abilities, Josephine Knutson is orders of magnitude better than Marnik Mann. As such, on the play front, we've got 100 bucks on Josephine Knutson to finish at plus 125, which returns 225. I think part of that like desire to push and desire to really show that she should be here and should have gotten a contract will have her going out and chasing a finish a little bit more. It's not that she wasn't trying to finish and and willing to finish on Contender Series this year, but she's a very, not even conservative fighter. She's just not going to put herself in really bad spots in order to chase something. And I understood that logic against Isis Rubik, who can throw, who is a decorated kickboxer. I think she's going to be significantly better than Marnik Mann, who takes this fight similarly on even shorter no notice than Knutson. And so she goes out, looks to get her out of there. I think she does get the job done, dispatches her inside the distance, turns a hundred bucks into 225 
for your boy. And we start the night cashing a ticket. As always, that brings us to my favorite part of this program, the Punch Drunk Prediction Parlays. Main card, prelims, full card, $10 wagers, just in case we run the table with the picks. So on the main card, we have Alexa Grasso, Jack Della, Madalena, Raul Rosas Jr., Daniel Zellhuber, and Fernando Padilla. Those five athletes, a $10 wager produces combined odds of plus 773 for a return of $87, excuse me, and 26 cents. It's not a big number. There's a couple huge favorites in there. Raul Rojas, that minus 700, is doing a lot of work there to bring those combined odds down. But we'll take it. 10 bucks into a $77 and change profit. Sounds good to me. On the prelims, Lupi Godinez, Roman Kopilov, Edgar Shires, Jasmine Jazdavisius, Charlie Campbell, and Josephine Knutson. 10 bucks combined odds plus 545 for a return of $64.50. Even lower combined odds, despite being more fights. That is five favorites, including a minus 700 in Knutson and a couple of 300s in there with Campbell and Kopilov. But again, a 50 more than $50 profit for 10 bucks. Sign me up. And if we go six for six on the prelims, I'm a happy boy because it means we already went above 500 for the day. So I'll take it. And then we get to the full card. Grasso, Della, Rosas Jr., Zellhuber, Padilla, Godinez, Kopilov, Shires, Jazdavisius, Campbell, Knutson. 10 bucks combined odds plus 5,532 for a payout of $563.12. I have yet to run the table overall fully here on Keyboard Kimura. This feels like one of the times that it's it's more possible. This feels like one of the weekends where it's, I'm not going to say likely because going 11 for 11 is never likely, but it feels like we got a better chance. There's a whole bunch of favorites in there, only two underdogs, Jazz Davisius and Alexa Grasso in the main event. We'll see what we can do. That's it for the program. Please check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Spencer Kite. Follow the boys at One Bone as well, One Bone Brand both.com and on Twitter and Instagram. Spencer Kite at checkout for 15% off. If you do hit up the store and I recommend you hit up the store. It's the best gear going. You're going to see even more of it on even more people that you know, besides me in the weeks and months and years to come. The guys from Montreal are blowing up. If you are in the area, check out the HQ next week for the sample sale. You can find the info for that on my Twitter and Instagram as well. Sign up for the keyboard Kimura Substack at spencerkite.substack.com scan the qr code here on the youtube page if you are watching thank you in advance i appreciate every single one of you that has subscribed that does subscribe that tunes in that listens that watches that sends feedback shout out to my guy antoine jackson for a couple of comments the last couple of days gonna get you on the program probably during that off week that we have after next week we'll talk we'll figure this out appreciate you i love you i hope you enjoy the fights i hope you enjoy the weekend take care of yourselves and one another Know that you're loved. Know that you're appreciated. We'll talk to you on Sunday with the takeaways.